right. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 53 of Hot Take from the Kitchen, and we are on the road once again. We are really on the road. Yes, our farthest distance. We are down in the Alcona Brew House tonight, so it's going to be a special episode. Just outside Harrisville. Yes. It was a German restaurant before. We were vacant for years. It's nice to see they did something with it. It's a nice place. Nice and cozy, so... Good beer. All right. Our guest tonight is Molly Stepanski. Molly Stepanski. And we're going to get to know her. She does Presqueo Farms. And tonight was a magazine release that she does. It's the local food guide with a cute little redhead on the cover. Like a pepper or something? Or tomato. Sorry. All right, I guess we'll be going forward. I can't wait to talk about tomatoes later on the day. Because <laughs> I am putting Molly on. I, I'm going to settle a debate tonight once and for all, so I'm excited. Oh. All right. Yeah. I'm excited too. Well, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H O T T A K E F R O M T H E K I T C H E N at gmail.com and I don't think we have any new emails that is a negative right so we'll get into the hot take topics and the first hot take topic is going to be a spoiler if you watch Jeopardy but James Holhauser lost tonight (gasps) on the internet it was spoiled so a lot of people are probably going to be sad because he was really on our streak, had over $2 million in winnings. Now he's gone. So <clears throat> my son over the weekend told me, or asked me, if I've been watching Jeffrey because he knows I like trivia. He goes, have you been watching it? I'm like, I haven't. He's like, you're missing out. This guy's winning everything. He's so, supposedly brilliant. No, no. He decided Every, to watch it. And, everything comes to an end, man. Yeah. And permanence prevails. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I've heard he's just, and it's not just that he's won, but it's been like $90,000. Like he uh, doubles down on every chance he can get. Yes, quite strategy. <clears throat> Do the bottom of the board first, get all the high values. So when it comes to double jeopardy, he has the money to spend. He usually goes a, a daily, I'll true, make daily a true daily double. One of, my bucket list things that I want to hear in my life. I want to be able to say, I'll make it a true daily double house. Well, you just do it. Well, but I mean, like, we're done. Check. Another one here, I'll share it to you. I don't know maybe you have any bucket list phrases you want to hear, Molly, but another one is, is I want to hear Phil Keegan go, like, Stephen Brad, your team number one. I mean, that would be pretty That would be amazing. I mean, you'd be a blubbering mess crying. I know that, but it would just, I mean, I would do. I mean, I would be jumping up and down. And so can we talk about the bigger issue at hand yeah. and that Alex Trebek is now cancer-free, I yeah. believe. He has oh. moved beyond that. Jeopardy is back. Good. Jeopardy is going to move beyond and just get so much better even. Good. I didn't hear that. So. Yes. It's good. Trebek, is, that. Trebek has moved on, and he is better than ever. Anytime I hear the last name Trebek, I think Will Ferrell. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I laugh every time, I'm not certainly laughing at what you're saying. I just think of that skit over and over again. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. 
Saturday Night Live. Uh -huh. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. No, she's I, I recall. <laughs> All right. Hot take topic number two is Jay-Z is now a billionaire. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, well, I was more surprised. Hey, I like it. Keep it moving. <laughs> well, she was told to do this by <laughs> Rick and Matt. Was she? Or hit the brakes. So I like that. But I mean, it's kind of that field. But I will tell you this much. The only thing I'm surprised about, I already thought he was a billionaire. I did too. So, so like, what the hell? I I looked, I, move on. I yeah, talk clicked it. on the article. Sorry. I just clicked on the headline and it took me to the beginning thing. And it says his net worth was $930 million. But I guess they hadn't updated it yet. So it takes a while. I mean, he's no queen bee. He's got I'm bills. I'm just going to say. Are you doing good? Okay. Awesome. Thank you. How do you like the beer? It's amazing. I know you're on wine now. Well, I'm on wine now, but yeah, yes. Which beer the, the, port, uh, the porter. The porter. I'm, a, I'm a dark beer kind of lady. Awesome. You guys like the beer? Yes. Yeah. Very right. good. Enjoy. Thank you. All right. We'll move on to the hot take topic number three. It was amazing. It was. <laughs> Never you're unflappable happened. now. Yeah, exactly. There's if no, you can have that. There's no stopping you. 100% now. Nothing bothers me. No, look at him. Yeah. All right, all right. He's like covered in stains. Topic number three. A rare albino fawn was rescued by a truck driver. I don't know. Give me the deets. I want to know. Where, when, how? It was in Yolo County. I don't know where that is. Is it in Michigan? I just clicked on the headlines. Okay, well. Michigan? I'm guessing it was. They also else. found a jet black deer recently. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> But I, What's um, happening? <clears throat> well, they gotta be out there. Who? I mean, I know I'll be a bino deer out there. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that the fawn was found. I would be interested to like, it said saved, so like. Was I, I guess it was in the middle of the road, and the okay. truck driver swerved to miss it and went past it. But and then I guess he stopped and went back. Why is there a white thing in the middle of the road? Right. So I guess it was an albino fawn. I have seen a dog on the highway before. And they don't know what to do because they, you know, they got a median up and they can't. They're like it. deer in headlights. Yeah. So <clears throat> maybe it was like an albino deer in headlights. Maybe. Yeah. In which case, their eyes don't really work very well. No. Albinos generally have difficulty vision. with yes. vision. Yeah, it's true. I learned something new. I guess my mom, dad, and these <clears throat> nephews saw an albino deer in Alcona. It was a sound at 41. Yeah, I gotta go scope it out. This is last year. So oh. Oh, no, it's too late. To Sorry, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. no. All right. Next hot take. All right. Topic <clears throat> number four the Soprano home is for sale for $3.4 million. I think it'd be a good investment just to see other than Tony Soprano's house. It, I don't know. <clears throat> I have a whole bunch of questions because we're happy. Let's start with question one. Question one. Yeah. I wonder what kind of shape the house is in. Uh, for 3.4 million, I think. Are there blood splatters everywhere? That's what we want to know, really. Uh, there are people tortured probably randomly and I'm sure the film crew cleaned up afterwards. I think the house would be in good condition. Could you accept being in a mafia if that was what you knew all along and you were reared to be? I mean, would you just go along with it? Would you be like, hey, I kill people for money. This is what I do. It's all good. It's all I knew then, yeah. Yeah, you'd be down. 
No, no conscious, no morals checking you out, being like, hey, man. Well, no, because the moral system that you're calling upon isn't there because it was raised in that. So that being said, that would mean that no one who grows up in a moral-less family could ever it could adopt yeah. a moralistic life. Yeah. Looking yeah. at, hey, maybe killing people for money is not a good idea. You're saying that if you grew up in a family that makes that okay, no one could ever question it? No, but I'm just saying, like, I could see the reasoning behind it. Yeah, no, I could too. I'm I'm curious. So apparently Brad is is down with no morals. Yeah, that's where... He's very unscrupulous. Yeah, he's completely unscrupulous. When people often think of Brad, the first thing they think of is moralist. But we can get you moving on. It's better than moralist. And and it is. You know... Everybody needs morals, um, but morales are better. I don't know about that. Have you had them with garlic and butter? You're not. not. You're not a mushroom man. My God. Okay, we're still going to continue. All right. Okay. Uh, This top, the last topic, it's from last week, but since we didn't pod last week, still do it. And Joanne Howard is now officially U of M head basketball coach. You happy? Oh yeah. So I wanted from the beginning. <clears throat> well, yeah, I think we both said it ideally. I would have liked to keep Yaklich, but what are you going to do? Well, I can only do so much. I don't blame him. Huh. I understand. I think they're going to be fine. There may be some struggles next year. But Aren't there always? There are always. Is. Oh. I mean, they'll be better than North Carolina. It's doubtful. Yeah. I mean, only, well, yeah. Oh I like how you... <laughs> No, I gotta stand up for you. I, you just kind of snuck that in. I like it. It was kind of. Um, I'd say you know. I mean, if we're talking about morals and like upstanding and 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 ethics, then I, I feel like North Carolina and the Tar Heels are, are definitely going to be upstanding every single time, especially if compared to like Duke. You know, I mean, it just depends on what the what what the comparison is, really. I mean, I, I won't. I mean, we can agree to disagree. So I mean, we can. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the trivia question. Well, here we got to hit the finals one time really quick. Oh. All right. What do you got? Still got Golden State. Ten. Six. Golden State and six. Kevin Durant coming back. No. Interesting. I think they're fine with all. All right. Having Clay go down a um, I guess he got hurt. Did you see the video? No. Okay, so there's a video circling around. Of, um, Kevin Durant and Clay are waiting for stuff to come off the floor from his interview, and Drake's there, and they're making fun of Drake. But when they're making, they're getting, when they're getting ready to make fun of Drake, um, Kevin Durant comes up to Clay and he goes, "Are you all right?" And Clay says. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll, be, I'll play next game or something. He says, you know, almost something like that. So, Clay's fine. <clears throat> they should make fun of Drake. I mean, yeah, right? This whole Drake thing is they're blowing up portion. He's a fan. He doesn't need to be running up and down the sidelines. Yeah. That was my problem. With him. I appreciate his enthusiasm. Yes. If I, me or you would run up and down the sideline, you'd probably get kicked out. But we don't have Drake's money either. I know that. So, yeah. I'm just saying. Fair enough. <laughs> Trivia time. Molly, here's your moment. All right. right bring it. <clears throat> we are going to start with last Todd's question, and that was the Alpena 
County Courthouse is noted for its blank architectural style. Spectacular. <laughs> That's a better answer than I gave. <laughs> I just started naming random architectures. <clears throat> I, I would do that, but um, I, as the daughter of a, an architect, I would be embarrassed if I got it incorrect. So I'm just going to go with random adjectives. All right. Yeah, here we go. And the answer is Art Deco. Yeah. Courthouse opened in 1935. It was the first example of cold weather construction of this kind. Feet not thought possible. Concrete construction techniques used to build the courthouse proves that construction could be done during winter months in cold climates, opening the door to new economic opportunities during the Great Depression. The inside of the building is a beautiful statement to the geometry ornate design of the time. So I had a thought I meant to tell you. <clears throat> we're going to call this, we're going to name it, because it actually does have a name. So from now on when we say it, we're going to say the name of it too. And it is. So it'll be our Alpine Sanctuary to Great Lakes trivia question of the week. Since it is sponsored by them. It is. It is Mary Beth's little and uh, Jesse's brainchild. So I thought we should really do that. Because it's really embrace it. Yes, or embrace it. No, they haven't. I just was thinking on my own. I was like, you know, we should really do that because it is done by them. and We should. Yeah. I'll have to write it down. I meant to tell you and send it to you. I had a thought when I was driving on the road in down to Grand Rapids. I was like, you know, because I was thinking about the pod. So I was excited to talk about vegetables. These dudes here. are hilarious. And I was thinking, oh, my God, we should brand a couple of these segments because they really are branded already. Yeah. We just don't refer to them as such. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. All right, and this week's question is sort of a long one. So. Oh my gosh. But, I'm out. Well, deal with it. All right. You can do it. You can do it. See. Just minutes south of Alpena, two legendary statues stand tall in the heart of Austin. Okay, never mind. I'm in. Babe the Ox was built in 1938 <laughs> by Walter Hayden and was originally placed on the hill across from Lookout Inn, following legend that a white cow on a hill signifies good luck. In 1950, new owners purchased the hill and painted Babe blue. Babe's Companion Paul was built in 1953 by Paul Domke, who was also the creator of nearby Blank. The two were moved in 2006 to their new home just up the highway at Austin's Blinking Light, where they still stand today. So they want to know what else did Bob, Paul Domke create that's in nearby? That's nearby? Yes. Wow. Wow. So we're talking Paul Domsky, not Paul Bunyan. No. Paul Domsky. Paul Domsky. Who built Paul Bunyan. Who built Paul Bunyan. Oh. I'm thinking way too hard. You are. Is it like a statue? I still don't know. I mean, I saw what you did there, but you said like a lion or a tiger? No. Or a bear. A oh, my. Bear? It was a big Jesus. Thing. Oh, my. I just did it. Dinosaur Gardens? Yes. Oh. Look at there. Big Jesus. Jesus Almighty. That does make sense. So that's cool. It though. does. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, we kind of wrecked for next week, but still. <laughs> I like the idea that we do one each week, so. <laughs> that's it's still fun of it. Yeah. And people aren't really answering anyway, so I might as well just do it here and then we'll just keep it. Here we are. Here we are. So we'll wrap up this segment. We'll come back. What was talking about? 
All right. There we go. So I just realized right now, really quick, before we come on, you're really getting handy with that back. Well, I am. I've used it enough times. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, Brad doesn't really like Apple that much. Really? You seem so adept. It's like you. It's like iPod. you do feel super comfy with it. Yeah, there I got you go. Beats, headphones, but other than that, I just. All right, Molly. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where you're from? Um, so born and raised. In, so I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad was a Navy man. Uh, raised in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Most of my family is still in North Carolina. Uh, I have lost my southern accent. Um, I met my husband about 15 years ago, and we moved back to Michigan about five years ago and became farmers, you know, because that's what you do after you have a kid in my world. Okay, and you were also saying, because I've had three children, <laughs> and at any point I didn't, like, well, I'm going to go to a farm. I'm going to go live on a farm. I'm going to farm, yeah. Well, I did it. Yeah. I mean, that, maybe that's probably what maybe that had to do with it. So... <clears throat> My knee-jerk first reaction, first of all, is my dad was in the Navy as well. Oh. So that's awesome. Oh. But um, he was on the south. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, how did you get to – how did you transition to the farm? How did that come about? So we actually lived in New Orleans. Uh, uh, my husband, Dion Stefanski, was a, a jazz musician. I was a high school writing teacher. And we had our son and realized as soon as we had him – Oh shit, he need help. Um, and as much as we love New Orleans, we wanted to be in a place where we had access to family. Um, and part of Dion's family is there's been a plot of land in his family for some time, um, almost 150 years now. And so we thought, sure, we'll just move back and start a vegetable farm thinking, and, and animal farm thinking, that would be super simple and straightforward. Um, here we are five years later. Little did we know how complicated that would be. Uh, so it was, it was really a matter of just being close to family and having that assistance and being able to connect with them and do what we do with them. That's awesome. Um, so you have the farm, and then I think I want to – I guess let's talk about the farm. Okay, let's talk about So it's imposing, kind of. It is imposing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think the lettuce that I've been eating at Neiman's for three or four years now mm-hmm. probably comes right from you. It has been. That's yes. awesome. I hope. Yeah. I hope Especially so too. if it has our logo yeah. on it, I'm super hopeful it's been ours. Yeah. So uh, what all do you grow out there? So we uh, we started about five years ago, and we started growing everything we possibly could to figure out what we could grow in Northern Michigan and what people actually wanted. Uh, and we've kind of uh, pared that down, honed it down into a business model that supports lettuce mix, spinach, um, microgreens, potatoes of different types, tomatoes, um, garlics, garlics, garlic, onions. Um, this year we're growing mini broccoli, uh, carrots, um, turnips, radishes. So. Pretty much vegetables that grow really well in northern Michigan. Um, we're, one of, we're, as far as I know, the only certified organic vegetable farm in northern Michigan. 
or not northern Michigan, northeastern Michigan. Okay. Um, and so we, every year we try and grow a little something new, uh, depending on what we think people want. Explain to me, because I think I know, but I, I'd like to believe that I probably could gain a deeper understanding of what a process to be certified organic all goes along into. <clears throat> so it's a process where we work with, um, there's a third party who essentially verifies that we are in fact organic, that we're following all sorts of regulations and steps that are involved in keeping food as chemical-free as possible, um, that we're using non-GMO seed, that we're using cover crops that are organic, that we're using um, seeds that are organic, that we're using um, any kind of fertilizer or any sort of um, pesticide, fungicide, herbicide that is certified organic that's derived from biological um, places. Uh, and so essentially, what was your question again, sir? <laughs> <clears throat> so I know you're organic and you're certified. Yes, yes. We were talking about how we how the process. But I, I guess what all, like when I decide I'm going to buy that organic right. box versus something whatever, else, something else yeah. What, is, what all of essentially am I paying for? So when I met Dion, um, I actually worked in a health food store in Missoula, Montana. And he was also very much into food and where it came from and its origins and, and how it could affect your health. And so I think that's kind of driven a lot of what we've done. Um, essentially, we're at a point where... We're in a very, very um, cantankerous time in history where you look at where food is grown in the country. You look at uh, where it's predominantly coming from, Florida, California, Arizona. These are the places where the majority of our food is coming from, at least vegetable and fruit-wise. And these places are completely dominated by the possibility of <clears throat> hurricanes, tornado, drought, earthquakes, um, people taking over our electrical grid and shutting down water supplies to everything. And you look at northern Michigan, and with everything that's going on, it's really intriguing that we are, after California, the second most, as far as states go, with the ability to produce a diversity of products. Um, we are second in line to California as far as what we can produce in Michigan because of our climate, because of our soil. But at the same time, if shit goes awry, um, if there's drought, if there's famine, if there's a trade war, um, and we can't get food to where we live, we are less than two weeks away from losing contact with all food supply. Um, we are absolutely at a loss for being able to get anything to sustain our state. And so the main reason why I do what I do and why I'm in an organic farm and I work for that work as far as like marketing what I do is because I want to make Michigan self-reliant. I want to make it to a point that uh, if there is an earthquake in California or there's a hurricane in Florida, that we can still actually get fruits and vegetables in our state that will sustain us and keep us alive, despite the fact that, you know, 
everything that's going to be happening over the next several years is going to affect that. So I'm, I'm really working just to make a sustainable food system. I, my main driver is my son. Um, you know, I, I, I want to believe that what I do can actually affect generations to come and the state of what's happening right now. And so I do what I do. It's awesome. Um, so there's obviously a seasonality to it because I mean, we have four beautiful seasons here in Michigan and of course winter seemed to last forever here. here. <laughs> yes, We're still kind do. of waiting for summer, but it's coming slow. Yes. Surely. <laughs> um, a couple of things off the top of my head. Is there, Obviously, you can't grow anything. A lot of you shouldn't say that. It's much more difficult to grow in the wintertime. Um, so I know the little bit of conversation we've had, you know you're, you're well your way of growing product right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then is there a like a high time where like everything's coming and you're, you're harvesting and so, so uh, the seasonality of what exists in Michigan at different times definitely, obviously, regulates a lot of what we can do. Um, we have <clears throat> utilized – so uh, essentially one of the, the brilliant things about farming these days is, you know, farming by and large, when, you, when people look at farming, they're like, oh, you know, that's what my grandfather did and that's what we did back in the olden days and this and that. Um, but it's actually this – amazing new market for young entrepreneurs to take advantage because it is absolutely this place where people can grow food and make money. Michigan is by and large changing literally their climate zones over the next five years that we're going to be as productive as like, for instance, California has been for years and years. Um, Why is that? Uh, because of climate change, mm-hmm. um, uh, you can do a little research. If you, if you just Google climate change as it rises over the United States. So our climate zone is, is, is literally just, you know, lifting year by year so that we get into a higher and higher zone of place where we can grow more fruits. We can grow more tropical things because in Michigan, there's going to be a longer summer season. There's going to be, um, essentially all these changes that happen that support this, um, the fact that, uh, a lot of the stuff that you can grow right now in Florida and in the South and on the West coast that you can do now that you're not going to be able to do in five years because of how quickly things are changing. Um, Michigan is in a prime space being surrounded as we are with, with lakefront property. Um, and the soil that we have that we're actually in this, highly desirable place to grow all kinds of food. Uh, and so it's really exciting that we've, I, I, our approach has kind of been to, to move with that, adjust with that and figure out what we can grow and what's going to be available here and how we can feed people because it's um, as much as we don't want to talk about it, a really quickly changing environment as far as being or having access to good food. Food right. that um, can actually heal us. Right. How I would say it. Well, I feel that's a good segue <laughs> to what I want to talk about next. We'll take a break and then we'll jump right into the next part. So, this, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, your journey through 
farming is probably kind of legit to why we're here today in a, probably a serendipitous kind of way. Um, we are in, as Brad had said, we are in Alcona, Harrisville, uh, for the release of the uh, Local Difference, it's a Local Difference magazine. Um, it's a Michigan magazine, but you guys have a quadrant in it off. And I guess I didn't know today that, um, until today, that the northern Michigan actually includes the Upper Peninsula. So you have, you cover quite... I don't cover the Upper Peninsula. Oh, okay. So, um, so there's uh, quite a quite a few uh, people involved in this whole mission. Um, we started as a nonprofit uh, in Traverse City almost 15 years ago under um, the Michigan Land Use Institute. The whole mission of what we do is to preserve Michigan farmland. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but right now there's, uh, as far as farmland goes and land that is being used to grow food for people, we're losing about 50 acres a minute um, across the, the country or across the world. And so um, one of our, our main purposes, our, our main mission is to help preserve Michigan farmland and actually use sustainable practices so that we're able to provide food for, for people across the state in a sustainable way. And so <clears throat> I was originally attracted to that, obviously, because I'm a farmer who uses sustainable practices um, and was connected with the organization through another farmer, um, which kind of lends itself to everything that Taste Local Difference is about. It's all about um, growers and producers that are growing sustainably and trying to connect with different markets and businesses that want to source locally. So I got involved with them about three years ago. Um, when I had originally started uh, with our farm, Preskill Farm, with my husband, we thought we were both going to be full-time, but then realized how beneficial it would be to have uh, have me working and writing for an organization that is promoting local food across the state. Um, and just in the last three years, we've expanded into northeastern Michigan. Um, the cover story this year, as you can see, is about young entrepreneurial families that want to move to northeastern Michigan and farm because there's an active, exciting local food scene here. Um, but we also have, I have a counterpart in the UP. We have a couple of counterparts in northwestern Michigan as well as southeastern Michigan and mid-Michigan. And we're adding people in from southwestern Michigan, kind of expanding um, to really talk about what's going on across the entire state. Um, I went to your event at the loft last fall, which was, I was a minor as Justin called me. Um, but so I mean, I, I do like the wine, but, um, who doesn't? Yeah. So, really? but the winer was a celebrity server for the event. So I better give some background to it. Cause people are just like, all right. So, uh, but what it was, is it was our law fundraiser. And that ended up being the opportunity to actually, um, it was a certified local event that you guys, so what, uh, why don't you explain to the listeners what that means and uh, you know, everything goes along with that. So <clears throat> one of the, one of the things that we work really hard on is really just integrating uh, local food into the regional food system. So what you'll find is that generally if you go to eat in a restaurant, if you go shopping in a market, um, anything related with food, it's going to be really difficult to find something where you know who you're buying from, who your farmer is, where your food is coming from, how it's grown, what practices they're using. And so we're really pushing for a way to promote this idea that uh, if we're going to boost our local economy, if we're going to support ourselves uh, buying from the people that are growing right next door to us, 
is the best way to go. And so I think um, sort of this whole idea of certified local food events, what we do is we look at food costs across the board for big events. Um, and it could be anything from July 4th celebration at NOAA to a county fair in Marquette. Um, if it's a certified local food event, they're working both to make it a zero waste initiative. So we are working to make it so that there's not a bunch of waste created that goes into landfills. Um, we're looking to do essentially um, farm to table to compost and back again. So we're looking to create that, that circle. And then also we're looking to source at least 20% for an event from locally sourced producers or growers. And so anything that we, we do, we analyze food costs and we basically take that data and we, we gather that and continue to push that across the state when we're looking at, you know, why is there a push for local food? Why is there a push to do this or that? And we have data to actually support it. Um, and so, so yeah, as far as our in the law, they've been huge supporters of, you know, making certified local food events happen in Alpena and really recognizing that if we can source from local growers and producers and make it a zero waste initiative, then, you know, these, these events we have that oftentimes are just corn dogs and elephant ears and, stuff that gets thrown into the trash could actually be healthy food. And um, we're not throwing a bunch of junk into a landfill. It could actually be a really positive event. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> last year, it was maybe around this time, maybe a little bit later, um, Alice and I went to a Thunder Bay Marine Sanctuary event. And that one there, they decided they were not going to have any, was gonna, no waste was going to happen. So what was crazy was everything was served on, different like older plates and just kind of like right ahead on needle retro field. But what it really made both of us pause was the amount of plastic that we use on a day in day out that we just don't even realize, you know, because you, you just, you go somewhere like that and you just grab a sport, right? I mean, you just like, of hey, course, hey, yeah. who doesn't like a good sport? Exactly. Who doesn't? Yeah. But at the same time, the sport comes in a plastic bag and then it just made us a good pause to the whole thing. So, um, do you think that um, – how, how often does the magazine come out? Annually. Annually. So we just do it once a year, and we do a lot of stuff online as well. But the magazine itself, the print magazine, is just once a year because it requires a lot of work. It, as you go through it, and um, where can people find the magazines? Um, so essentially pretty much anywhere that serves local food. So, for instance – so there's about almost 60,000 magazines that go out across northeastern Michigan. They'll also go out on northwestern Michigan and the UP. Um, they go to restaurants, wineries, breweries, um, cideries, retailers that carry local food, libraries, visitors, bureaus, like pretty much name it. You're going to find these there. It's pretty much any, anywhere I mean, that's the beauty of it is people that are traveling through Michigan that are tourists that want to do what they do and eat good locally sourced food. Um, they're looking for a means to find that food. Mm -hmm. So pretty much anywhere that you're going to be where you can find that, you're going to find our magazine. Um, quick pivot. I don't think you'll mind. Um, Saturday I was down in Grand Rapids, but I do know that Saturday was the first weekend farmer's market was open. So, um, and of course, this weekend we have a golf outing. <coughs> we could try to sneak there maybe in the morning. But 
guys, I want you to, if you don't mind, we can quick pivot, but I know I didn't give you a heads up on the farmer's market, but I know you probably certainly don't mind talking about it a little bit. So I would actually say, so the first farmer's market outside mm -hmm. happened. Um, the farmer's market has actually been going on for weeks and weeks inside the Alpina Mall. We've had, um, so I, in addition to working for Taste Local Difference, I also own and operate Crestfield Farm. Um, and so we've been at the farmer's market for weeks and weeks now selling greens and other veggies that, uh, you can grow in Northern Michigan in the spring, but yeah, they just moved outside June 1st, um, to Michigan park in Alpena. Um, and it's amazing. They have multiple vendors that sell everything from eggs to veggies, to soap, to pork, pork to like beef, to lamb. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you name it. Um, you can find it at the Alpena farmer's market and, it's just such a such an astounding setup for people that are running local businesses because if you can buy direct from those purveyors, you're you're helping those businesses directly. And I mean, as much as you know, we we try as much as we possibly can to spend our money back in Alpena and our community because we realize that's who's supporting us. So it's just it's a it's a beautiful cycle that happens. I can appreciate that because I know that's one of the things where I work at. My boss is really big on trying to support and give back to the community because, you know, honestly, we rely on the community to buy cars. You know, so um, I really liked, I mean, part of me was sad when we moved from downtown because we kind of had this routine of like doing coffee, walking, blah, blah, blah. But the upside is, is Brad knows, and you don't know this, but now the farmer's market's like two blocks away from my house because we live right over behind Yemen's. So um, it's pretty neat to be able to, I've walked there a couple of times. I know I've, there's been a morning, I remember one Saturday morning I had off and Allison's like, man, I really want, this was a long time ago, obviously, but I mean, it wasn't out, but she was like, man, I could really go for some cinnamon bread. There you go. Good news. Cause yeah. it was right it's there. right there. And now there's music and now there's food trucks and now yeah. there's, I mean, a splash park and a volleyball court and the beach. Yeah. And I mean, for us, it was super excited when they moved over to that, location because as parents and a young family we know a good portion of the people that want to buy from us want something to do with their children right and so to have like this this location where all this stuff is going on um you can go to food trucks you can go and do this you can go hang out on the beach you can take your dog and throw a frisbee like and then also get your groceries people are so much more into buying groceries when they have something to do with their children um as a parent, I get that. I, I totally understand that. Yes. Um, you want something that occupies them while you're doing what you're doing. And so it's been a really brilliant business model. Yeah. Um, I went there a handful of times last year, and I was just super happy with – I mean, I, I would, like I said, I appreciated the downtown setup, but I realized what it really could turn and become in the new location. And I think, I'm sure that was part of the reason for the move in the first place anyway, so. Well, I think this would be another great pivot point, again, because um, I know we talked about the loft a little bit earlier, and I know, if you don't, well, we don't probably have to send it. We better. We'll take a break. So what do you do to talk about that? Um, so we, one of our, um, when we started farming, we got mentored by other farmers. That's really, quite honestly, that, and um, everything that's available online is how we learned what we do, what we do. Um, 
And so uh, one of the first couple of years that we started doing uh, our farm, one of our mentor farmers took us up to Mackinac Island to introduce us to restaurants um, and people that he works with up there. And um, we've created some amazing relationships where we get to sell them vegetables and they bring us up to talk to their staff about our farm and our family and what we do and how we do it. And it's just been a really amazing relationship. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm so excited that we get to do that each year. That is super cool. I know it has nothing to do with it, but in the same way it does, uh, our friend Griffin owns a local basket mm -hmm. case. When you go in there and you pick up like a hat or a t-shirt, my favorite one is the copper signs that they make, which is a family down in, you know, wherever they're from, or the palace signs, and they're from Trevor City, Daniel. But, you know, he tells you the story that goes along with what you're buying, and it tends to go a long ways. And um, I know Griffin sometimes listens or not, but it's my favorite thing about Griffin. That's why I think that the basket case, um, no matter what moves in or you know, because the thing is change. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. you know, what he does is a rocket science. He sells T-shirts. So, I mean, it's not like right. there's not enough people that sell T-shirts. But, but it's a, it, there's a story behind it. Yeah. There's a family um, doing it and how they came to be. And it, it, it's what makes it real and what makes people want to actually invest in any sort of company that does something that's related to. And like you're doing, he takes the time to get to know them and kind of understand the story. And then it becomes this reciprocating relationship between him and them and, um, yeah, I certainly just really, truly appreciate that. So with that being said, the other third of the endless text thread that I have is Justin. And um, I know I've got to meet you through Justin because you're a part of his board on the Iron Law. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it was interesting to hear. Um, I truly appreciate what you said before we started the episode on how you believe um, not only in the law, but the mission, what the law really represents behind yeah, completely. The fact that, I mean, there's no way to advance a community or connect with your community unless there's arts. It's, I mean, it's the absolute, um, it's one of, it, it, it's one of the things that, that quite honestly connects all of us, um, is the ability to express ourselves. And so if we have a foundation to do that, then we can, we can really grow as a community. So yeah, that, I mean, that's why I'm on the, the board at Art and the Loft is I truly believe that. And they're, you know, one of those just absolutely incredible foundational organizations that has made a lot of change in Alpena. And I mean, I, I wish I could say I was a part of it from the beginning, but I'm not, but I've joined on and hope to be so for a long time. Well, I mean, I, I truly appreciate everyone that's been a part of it so far. And um, as even Brad and I just became members this last year, you know, um, so, but, and we had a great time at Thursday with, with the burger and the beer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was good to see you in there, of course, because um, I know, like I said, obviously, as a being a board member, you probably were um, incentivized to be at something like that. But I don't still think it's, I think Art and Loft is one of the few um, entities, for lack of a better term, in our community that's really trying to maybe push the arts, you know, as a community that, highly relied upon industrial, you know, um, to pivot. And we talked about this about four or five pots back. We had Tim Kuhlein come on. And I told Tim, I remember back in like 2000, so 2009, I had him as an instructor. And I was just a good board because I told the story a dozen times or whatever. 
and he said, we were talking about how um, industry at the time changed and the economy collapsed and so on and so forth, and how Alpena could reinvent itself. And one of the ways he felt that Alpena could make its niche in Michigan, not even just Michigan, but nationally, was to really embrace the arts. Absolutely. And it truly become this center for arts and um, to have the community. And you know, we see I'm, one of the things that Justin talked about that, he, I mean, you would have to understand what he meant by it, but he said um, his speech, if you were a prison town and you embrace the arts and you renaissance. So I know Brad knows a little bit about it too, but Jackson, Michigan, which obviously is what you, um, Justin was referring to, uh, was a, you know, obviously, that's really what it was known in the town as a you know, state of Michigan being a prison. And they've totally had this resurgence all based around art. Um, so, I, just a uh, thank you for really lending your talents and um, taking the time to really, because I, I think of board members a thankless position a lot of times. And um, this is a person that's been on a couple. <laughs> um, but, yes. you know, we appreciate um, your knowledge, your talents that to, to lend to them. And um, I know uh, you guys just are always constantly working toward the next big thing. We are definitely. I I, uh, I feel very grateful that I get to be a part of the board at Art and Loft. Um, in a town like Alpena, there's just, there's so many opportunities to reach so many different people with arts. And, you know, as far as other cities that I've lived in, it's really incredible and inspiring to see Art and the Law reaching out to every single community in Alpena to to share arts with them and have them come in and create and learn about themselves and contribute back to the community. It's just it's really inspiring. Um, and I, you know, quite honestly, I I don't have a lot of extra time, but if I'm going to devote my time to anything that's going to be what it is, you know, like I, it's, there's, I feel like there's definitely a very, very much connection between arts and food and how we connect with our community and how we learn about who we are and how we share that with the rest of our community. And I think those are the ways to do it. Yeah. It's super cool. I told Justin, um, I got those videos done from him and I guess we could, yeah, you've seen, I think you've seen a couple of the videos. Mm -hmm. So they're not a secret anymore because I know you released them this week or yet today. So um, I did this little video series with him on about all the different programs you guys have, and um, which opened my eyes a little bit more and made me have a deeper appreciation for all that you guys do. And um, one of the things that I told him was, he said, "Hey, I really he just he sent me a text. Is like, hey, I really appreciate you helping me out with that because it means a lot. And, you know, we do a, we use these videos to help us." try to you know make a change and do a lot of good and, and I told him that it's been amazing because you know as a person that's living in Alpena I know the art and loft was critical to downtown Alpena and then it became critical from downtown Alpena to Alpena and now it's amazing that you just touched on that's it's tr transitioning right oh, yeah. all over Michigan I mean Justin's evolved all across northern Michigan now and I told Justin that the way you're going and it's not unique but the story that can be told. So if it can happen in Alpena, which is a heavily industrial limestone, mm -hmm. um, everybody likes to wear camel all the time. I mean, we're just, it's who we are. It's because we're stylish. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. where else can you find a fedora camel? A right. camel with fedora camels, yeah. So uh, Brad's like, oh my God, you want one? I'll get you one. Sure. I yes. want one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
that story can resonate nationally because there's these places all around. Completely. Well, I I think, too, when we look at what's happening in the rest of the state um, to really see the connection between art and food, people that are making food, people that are growing food, um, it's there's definitely a, a... Absolutely remarkable connection there of people that are creating and trying to share that with people and affect people's health and their mentality about what is um, sustainable in the state of Michigan, um, what can change people's minds, what can lead people to a better sense of health and well-being um, is really amazing. Uh, and so it's, for me, it's, it's been a a really remarkable path to just, um, work with artists and people that support the arts, uh, in the same way that I love and support food and creation of, of meals and food as an art. Um, I know coming up, I mean, it's a ways away, but it's worth mentioning, uh, September 20th, sorry, July 20th. It's going to be the mural dedication, and uh, I know I can't believe how it's very exciting. <laughs> so, like this, I, I think we've talked about it on the pod. The documentary we're doing, the behind this behind the scenes thing, we're hoping to have it done. I, like Justin, I finally created dates. Like, okay, let's have this done by then. Let's have this done by then, because we really want to have it for this dedication launch or whatever we're going to. Oh. You guys are going to do, and um, super cool though, right? So exciting. Yeah. Um, Why don't you briefly talk about what the mural meant to you really quick? As it's kind of like, so the mural fell, right? How did you feel about it? Yeah. So um, it was sort of mixed feelings. I was really excited to see it connected to sales. Um, (laughs) As a a former uh, or as a child of a Navy man, (laughs) I was like, oh, this is awesome, you know. We're like we're connecting to our our, our no, maritime yeah, heritage, yeah. and and you know this is we're connecting, um, you know, uh, our 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 connection with the the lakes and the water to our artistic, um, what we're doing artistically, and it was very inspiring. And then I remember showing up the day did it ripped it off and realizing, oh yeah, the, the, um, mother earth is, is that diabolical. Um, she is, it was, I mean, it was, well, and you're showing me a picture of it. It was just so absolutely spectacular. My, I mean, it was so amazing. So my favorite thing that you've just done, oh gosh. you are the first person I've had that I've had a conversation with that liked the sales. So oh, like, so it's been a very taboo thing. I think Brad. I know everybody's about, bitter about yes. it, but I loved it. Yeah. So I this loved is it. I'm exciting. I kind of want to just feed into it. I didn't mind the sales. I like the look. Now in hindsight, was it to be in hindsight? Medicine? Obviously, I'm like, oh, that's super stupid. Why the fuck do they? Do? Excuse me. Why do they do that? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Why the hell do they do that? Yes. Like that doesn't make any sense. Sales are like the strongest of. Yeah. I mean, you're harnessing the wind. Why would you do that? Yeah. And, and, and it made sense after the fact, but at the same time, like that was so spectacular to see that, like, yeah. because it's so connected the art of Alpina with its water heritage and it's, I mean, everything that was associated with its. And everybody that's uh, always talked about the sales and like, it's the dumbest thing. And then I show them this picture and everybody always says, this. everybody always stops and goes, Oh. It was so cool. Though, it was. You're right. it was, it, and I, I feel like there's a way to do that without 
ripping off everything. <laughs> Without it all. Without it all coming down <laughs> in mayhem and chaos. Yes, I so, feel like that is a possibility. So were you part of the board one at... I, I was not. So I didn't join Art in the Loft until after that all um, unfortunately happened. Um, but I am very much of the mindset that there is a way to do it that connects the love of water and art and Alpina without ripping everything down. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times our love of water um, covers up our abilities <laughs> see what might make sense yeah i mean it's yeah it's so it does um, but as the rebuild is as the re and, and i mean it's not connected with sales any longer and it, it i mean it's just even more spectacular than it was before and so in it and it honors um the scuba divers and the people that um are looking at shipwrecks in you know lake huron and doing all the work that they do and that's just so spectacular um and so I don't, I don't, obviously it's not necessary to connect it with sales or some sort of, um, signal or, or sign of, of nautical something, but at the same time it was splendid, yeah. um, artistically. So if there's a way to do it without destroying it, I'm all <laughs> for it. I know to Justin, one of the things that he does, any chance he talks about it, you know, professional, even in our personal setting, is that he was super pumped that he was able to rebuild the wall without it costing additional dollars, that it just covered it, so the people that donated it to the first time, they're made whole, they're kept intact, and then we weren't burdening in the community again. In our, um, but at the same time, with this chance to have the do-over, so many more people were able to be a part of this time that maybe, well, I, I, I said, Justin, it took the wall, that took that mural falling apart, for everyone to truly realize, I think in many ways it's sad, but that mural falling apart was the best thing that ever happened to Alpina for our wise because it really made it appreciate. Like, when that comes back to what I was talking about earlier a little bit as far as impermanence, I mean, this ability to see something and realize how important it is, and one of the reasons it's so important is because sometimes it's fleeting. Yeah. Um, to recognize the beauty of Alpina and recognize the beauty of everything that's going on there. Um, and having this opportunity to see all the personality and heritage and intelligence that has gone into exploring the shipwrecks of Alpina and everything maritime Alpina. Um, sometimes it doesn't carry on every single time because we as humans want to make it bigger than it is and maybe connect it to sales and make it fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still there. I mean, the, it, it, no matter what happens, even if it got ripped down, it's still as powerful as it ever was, if not more so, quite honestly, because it's come back again. Yeah. Um, two episodes ago on our pod, we had Tony on, and one of our favorite pod moments was Tony talking about him, I don't know, where was it Colombia or Mexico? Colombia. Colombia, and he had his family, and they were all talking in a different language, and he was just nodding his head yes the whole time. And, um, Brad still alive. He's he's fine now. He just he thought it was humorous. It was. It was. Yes. So we're gonna come back. Brad and I are gonna switch back mics. He's gonna take over. We're gonna do our top five. Okay. And to give our listeners we have to have listeners right now. Nice. Top five good. vegetables. Oh yes. So. It doesn't get much better than that. No, it doesn't. Not so. really. That's not. All right. All right.
All right, now we'll move on to our top five. Like I said, it's the top five, our top five vegetables. So I have a list here, but I'll just start off with my top five. And number five is going to be green beans. Not from a can, but fresh green beans. Um, do you have an honorable mention? I have a lot here. I'm just going to do my let top him, five. Let them just go through. Yeah. My number five, I'm going to say my honorable mention because I want Molly to let me know. So my honorable mention is a tomato. Which tomato? Well, I mean, if I had to choose one, I guess I would choose cherry tomatoes. Okay. Which I kind? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> the red one. The red one. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was always told that tomatoes are berry. Does that tomato, make it a fruit? Tomatoes are what? A berry. Okay. Growing a vine, they have seeds. Is they that are a, fruit. Yeah. Yeah. So they're a fruit. So they're totally a fruit. So is it really? So am I? Corn? You can still you can still call tomato. You can still add top five veggies. I I include tomatoes in mine. Okay. Just so you know. I was just I've always heard this that tomatoes you know. actually yeah, they a fruit. are in fact a fruit. Yeah, it's true. But yeah. uh, we're gonna let it slide tonight, Steve. Well, it was an honorable mention just because I wanted to settle that debate. Yeah. My number five is snap sugar peas. Oh, those are good ones. Okay, so we're number five is yeah, number the five least things. favorite yeah, least going favorite. up to most favorite. Yeah. Okay, so oh god, I love them all. Okay, so I'm gonna do black garlic. So this is fresh garlic that's put into a, a processor for a good twelve days at 120 degrees. That comes out as black garlic. It's black. Uh, smells like balsamic vinegar. It's amazing. It uses the Maillard process to create it. Um, it's not actually caramelized. It's a little bit different because it's a little bit different temperature, but it can make amazing like salad dressings and toppings for everything. So that seems a little really um, kind of extensive. Okay, here we go. Number four. All right. <laughs> My number four is something I've come to like over the past couple of years, and that's broccoli. Oh. I love broccoli. Broccoli's in my top five, so I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've actually learned to eat it raw. Oh, yeah. Roast it in the oven with some olive oil and salt, oh, and then so put some Parmesan cheese in. It's oh. really Amazing. Good. Amazing. Yeah, I appreciate that's that. That's how I feel about my number one vegetable. Oh. But we'll get there. All right. Number four, jalapenos. Oh, nice. So I mean, Brad and I, both, Brad and I both love spicy foods. Yeah. And what I love about jalapenos is there's, I guess I should say peppers overall, but I love how you can find different ones with different spices. And some are sweet and you can, you know, it doesn't even have no heat at all, which are good. But I do, we do love heat. Brad and I both do. So we do right. a lot of cooking with both. Both of you gentlemen will have to come out to the farm and eat some spicy food with us because we love a good, good spicy dish. Yeah. You so like a good nose running is what you're saying. I do. Yeah. I do. If my forehead is not sweaty, if my upper lip is not sweaty, it's not really a good meal. Yeah. Don't threaten us with a good time. Don't, don't do it. Um, my number four is a Cherokee purple heirloom tomato. Holy cow. Um, very specific. That I, is. I am. Um, I appreciate it. That is, so I grew up in the South, so I'm very particular about my, my tomatoes. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is a slicer for the most part. Um, it is like a dusky pink. It gets a little bit darker than that when it's ripe. 
Um, and it's just, I mean, it slices well for like just straight up eaten slicer or put on a sandwich or put on anything, pretty much anything at all. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It pat, it like, it hits the like top line of the taste test across the country every time. Wow. <clears throat> all right. My number three is going to be corn. Oh, good one. Corn on the cob. Oh. Mm -hmm. It is like one of my favorite things about the warmer weather in northern Michigan. I won't call it summer because, I mean, even now, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's June, June 3rd and yeah. it's 50 degrees outside. Yeah. So, yeah. Warmer weather, it seems, especially once you get that sweet corn going, it is exciting. So, when we had that dinner at my house, put it on the grill. It was, like that is my favorite way to cook corn now. Like, I've tried a whole bunch of ways. I used to try to boil it. I've tried like wrapping it. I've tried it in the husk. I just peel that thing off and then I just slap it on there and I let it get all charred and it, it's yeah. like making street corn. Yeah, it's just so good that way. And if you're not, I just feel like it's one of my missions in life to tell people to cook it that way because I feel like if you're, so many people grill and do extra things with it, it's like just peel it so and slap simple. it on there. Yep. It's just the way it is. My number three is your number four. So it's the broccoli. I like, I mean, if you want to get fancy with it, you could do broccolini. I don't, I mean, it's always a topping on veggie pizza. I could eat it raw. I could cook it. I just, there's, I like it anyway. I've yet to find anything I don't like with broccoli. I appreciate your love of broccoli. Yeah. It often goes unnoticed. <laughs> it really does. Um, my number three is winter sweetened spinach. So in our hoop house, we plant spinach um i wish i could tell you right now what month it is in the fall but essentially it comes to fruition gets leaves big enough so that it essentially goes through the winter in the hoop house freezes over and over and over and the really intriguing thing is every time it freezes more sugar comes up to the top um to protect itself so the more it freezes the sweeter it gets so come early spring when it actually thaws out and we harvest it and bring it to people at the farmer's market, it is like the sweetest mushroom. So that shit must have been super sweet this year because it was colder. <laughs> it was cold as well. There's some sweet ass shit, man. Yeah. So we had some really good winter spinach this year. Yeah. That's my number three. All right. My number two is going to be carrots. Oh. I probably eat Carrots, most of any vegetable. I mean, we had carrots that night too. I mean, I eat them raw at work. Yeah. Oh, that's your I have to bring you some 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 of them straight out of the hoop house right now. It's ridiculous. I think that's what. Uh, out like of all the things, baby fingers. They're yeah. so sweet. It's crazy when that's the one thing I've noticed because for a little short period of time, Alice and I had our own little garden in town. And that was until we paid for township water and then we stopped that. Yeah. We were like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're so close to the lake. Just you know what the best part about it is? I really thought about redoing the garden this year and just putting it in the back and I would do that. And then I know I would go at night. i just go get my bucket of water, walk my two blocks, and then I would almost want to get caught. Just on the principle of like pulling water out of Lake Huron and somebody's like, I'm just watering my garden on the principle of like, I don't want to pay these ridiculous township water bills. But anyways, I'm, not, I'm getting off the point. All right. Number two for me is red potatoes. Oh. And I love potatoes because I can have breakfast, have for lunch, and have for dinner. Potatoes are brilliant. You can bake them, you can fry them. 
mash them. I just, yeah. Things are good. Whiskey. Just gotta make a rest of the potatoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I just, and I, love, I think I like, reds tend to be a little creamier, I think. So that's why I just kind of favorite that Creamy side. potatoes. Nothing like that. Um, so my, so I, my one and two go back and forth. Um, right now my number two is our salad mix. Um, it is a mixture of Salanova salad mix. So it's like six or seven different heads that, um, do well in late winter, early spring. They're super sweet, super fluffy, super fabulous. They last up to four weeks in the fridge. Um, and they make me appreciate salad in the spring. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my number two. Need to get a good salad mix. Yeah. You really make me I know to, I know about one. You make me want to go home and till my garden right now. Good. That's yeah, good. That's the hope. All right. My number one is Brussels sprouts. Oh <gasps> that's a bold statement. For real? Yeah. With bacon? Said, no, just like no, you said. No, just straight up. Olive oil, salt, and yeah. pepper. And, okay. it, and if you're feeling sassy, go ahead and throw some parmesan. I won't be mad. But I, I just take a salt, pepper, and olive oil. My mom does make this Brussels sprouts where it's bacon wrapped around the bacon. Brussels sprouts. Bacon. But it's got honey mustard in between the bacon and the Brussels sprouts. Bacon. It's really good. I feel like that's... I mean, I don't doubt that it's, it sounds amazing. Everything with bacon is better. Yeah, exactly. But I just, I could, yeah. I mean, just as long as they're not, like, you're going to break it. Just them. roast it in the oven. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's I just roast it. Joyful. It's like so, magic. But that wasn't surprising to you. Because any chance I can get where you've eaten now enough with me. <laughs> if I see Brussels sprouts on the video, I'm probably going to get it. So. It's rare. That's rare. I was going to say right now, is it's it? pretty rare. Yeah. Brussels sprouts. Are Most people are not. Uh, they're not embracing the tiny cabbage. Really? No, they're unfortunately lost. not. I exactly. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, you're Brussels sprout. All right. So I, uh, my number one, um, and we just started growing this a couple of years ago. It's a uh, hakari turnip. So it's in the brassica family. Um, it is. Looks like a radish, but it's white, and instead of radishy taste, it's sweet. So you can eat it raw. You can put it on a salad, and it's spectacular. You can dip it in hummus. It's magical. Or chop it up with the greens and butter and garlic, and it's like heaven. <laughs> heaven. Oh, heaven. It's the first person to see it, I thought. Uh, there we go. I, I, I'm, I'm good at first. Yep, uh, especially since I can't really see. That was that was good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's better than what we would. Do, so. All right, well there we go. Well, that brings out our top five. We'll mm -hmm. come back and we'll round out the pod, and then we will uh, let these poor people here close up. All oh, right. yep, they're probably done. <gasps> well, see you in the episode. What are you doing this weekend, Brad? Uh, we got Dylan Wallace's golf outing at JW Memorial on Saturday. So I'll give our listeners an inside scoop. You've been doing a really, really good job of getting that episode out fast. So each episode out fast. So this is going to be early. So for our listeners, every year, you know, we do a video for Dylan's golf outing. 
And every year I always wanted to up it. This year we're doing golf cart karaoke. So I got like four or five or like four or five angles. We got making a playlist. So if you are listening and you're gonna be there, you're gonna be able to sing a song, we're gonna put it all together, string it up, and it's gonna be a pretty cool thing. So Sounds like amazing. Yeah. Um, what else are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm able to. I would probably go to the roller derby set in the Apex. I'll, I'll be at the concert in the park, so maybe we can somehow. So much maybe, stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, this weekend's another busy I mean, weekend. Yeah. yeah. Summer in Alpena is always Summer in Alpena yeah. is so good. What are you doing this weekend, Um, So we have Farmer's Market on Saturday. Um, we're going to Mackinac Island uh, to go talk to one of the hotels we work with about what we do. Um, this weekend, I think we're actually just, uh, yeah, aside from work, we're just going to be chilling and hanging out and eating good food and grilling and appreciating all the joys of Alpino. Yeah. I mean, it's it's awesome when you get to live where people vacation, right? Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. I always... I always feel dumb when I leave. I know, it's always weird because Alice and I always talk about we plan in our trips, like in the fall and the winter. Yeah, people like plan to come there, and you're planning to like. Yeah, it. because yeah. like we don't want everyone to leave here in the summer because like it's the best. It's like, the best time. Why would you, time? Why would you go? Yeah, and it's like we took our friends to Minnax up to Memorial, uh, for Memorial Day, which was fine. But it's like even still, we're like, why would you want to leave? I mean, it's like people come here for Memorial Day. I don't want to leave here for Memorial Day. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be Dylan's Golf Outing is when I know it was Saturday. We got a concert at the park. It's the Motown band that I don't know that you oh. enjoy. But I know we also have Chris Johnson's uh, uh, Road Derby. And then Sunday, I don't know if we'll anything like Maybe a day we come on. Yeah, it very well could be if we do it right Saturday. So, yeah, that's kind of all I got going on. Um, Molly, thank you for coming on. Thank it's you for having me. Episode. My pleasure. It's been fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Enjoying the beautiful brew house. Yeah. You guys come check the place out. The food was amazing. Yes. Beer's cold and good. So we'll go from there. And ask for yeah. more. And ask for more. Yeah. See you guys. Here, here. Local food till the end. Hell yeah.